So it's a new year. I have a new voice. <laughs> and this is an episode from the archives. Hey, I'm Alicia Renee, and you're listening to Ask Low Podcast. Welcome back to the next episode of Ask Bill Podcast. You're in for a special treat. This week, I have Sheridan Garrett. She is the managing editor at Exo Nicole, and I'm super duper excited to have my first writer um, on Ask Bill Podcast. So hello, Sheridan. How are you? Hey, Alicia. I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing pretty well. I'm super excited that you decided to join me today on Askville Podcast. So I already gave the people the rundown um, formally of who you are. So give us kind of a casual who is Sheridan. Tell us more about yourself. Um, well, she's, well, Sheridan's a writer um, by nature and an editor by trade. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, I get to do both of those things and uh, fulfill my purpose I feel in life um, by being the managing editor of exonicole.com right now. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's pretty much me. Okay. So I think that you're being pretty modest. I guess the questions will just have to fill in the gaps <laughs> that everyone will have for you. <laughs> so I first want to ask, you're obviously, I feel like all, mostly all writers um, are my favorites. Um, so I really want to know, how did you get into writing? I think that everyone has their own kind of unique story as to how they figured out how to put words together and sound like something. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious mm-hmm. to know yours. Oh, so you mean like in the beginning or do you want mm-hmm. like how I got in the industry? Okay. <laughs> so um, I feel like I've always written. Um, and I kind of started taking it a little bit seriously when I was, like, nine, I feel. Um, I was always writing, like, my first um, published work was a Christmas list I wrote to Santa in our local newspaper um, when I was an elementary school student in Walterboro, South Carolina. Um, So I got my feet wet pretty early, I feel, but I didn't really um, start writing writing until maybe middle school. And... um, Mm -hmm. I was doing, (laughs) I was writing sex stories, and (laughs) I had no idea. Like, I literally read things from my mom's bookshelf, like Zane novels and stuff. And so I would put things together in my head because I was always interested in sex. So I would put things together in my head, and then I just wrote it on paper. And my classmates, like, enjoyed taking turns, like, borrowing the things that I would write and reading them and then returning in them to me and, like, giving me feedback and just saying how good they were. Um, and from there, I just started writing, like, um, my own stories. And then I started a blog. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then, um, well, now I'm an exo Nicole. That's kind of how that happened. Okay. And so you kind of already dived into it. Um, but for me, I think that I find your writing – 
very empowering in regards to being so sex positive and embracing one's identity sexually. And I think that in a time where so many things used to be taboo and now we're in this era where everything is kind of like, is that really taboo? Is that really shameful? Or is it really bad that I like this? Is it bad that I have preferences? I think that it's interesting that someone is so open to having those conversations and actually writing about it. So I'm curious, what kind of feedback do you get for your writing um, <laughs> these days? Um, well, in the beginning, it was pretty intense. Um, it was like I think I started, I started writing for Exo Nicole in 2015 um, when the site first started. And mm-hmm. um, I was writing as a sex writer primarily. So I was taking from my own personal experiences. And at the time, I was in this really liberating relationship with this amazing man who just made me feel like um, everything that I, I thought about and everything I fantasized about, everything I wanted could be mine. Um, and I didn't have to be ashamed to ask for them. Um, and it just kind of unearthed this side of me that I feel like was always there, but it was a little dormant because um, previous partners just made me feel like, oh, like, she's got to have it type shit. Like, she's just mm-hmm. um, <laughs> very taboo, very <laughs> but, out there. You know, actually. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like taboo is, is it's crazy how sexuality in a like from a woman's perspective is so taboo but from a man's perspective it's not and um when i was first writing these different experiences uh like uh, even the ravenous um piece where i talked about uh, my insatiable appetite for sex um people felt like oh she's a sex addict or she's a problem <laughs> um i've heard some i've heard some pretty negative things you know like daddy issues just Different things. People got on me when I wrote my piece about uh, the male male threesome that I had um, with my boyfriend at the time and a friend of ours. And they were talking about, oh, wow, she just enjoys being a train. And I'm just thinking to myself, it takes more than two cars to be a train, but it's okay. Um, but anyway, it, it, could be, it could be very intense, um, but you have to know who you are. And I think that's the bottom line. Um, and people are very opinionated. <laughs> so um, I had to develop a thick skin quickly and just understand that, you know, at least I'm helping out someone I feel who might be having the same thoughts that I did and might not have that that confidence or that push to do the things that she wants to do. I feel like sexuality um, is a very healthy form of self-expression. And um, especially when it's between consensual adults. Um, so mm-hmm. I don't know. I just feel like, why not, <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> and I've always written about it pretty naturally. And when, it, when I started having my own experiences and writing from those experiences, um, it was second nature even more. So I, I still write about sex to this day. I get a lot more positive feedback <laughs> than I do negative. Mm-hmm. But... Um, in the beginning, it was really intense, um, but I'm glad I still stuck with it and just decided to just be myself. And I talk about sex, period. So it's like that's just what you're going to get. Um, yeah, so <laughs> okay. I hope to answer your question. And, yeah, absolutely. And so I want to take a mini step back and just kind of focus on 
your journey into being um, this full-time writer at Exo Nicole, a lot of people find issues with um, finding full-time placement um, in this writing industry, and mm-hmm. especially with just a sea full of bloggers who can mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. pop up with, um, you know, their blogger site and basically cut out the middleman, middleman being big media. So mm-hmm. what was your secret in your writing? Did you start out as a blogger? Or did you kind of go to school for journalism or English and write your way to your career? Ooh, um, well, my, my journey is really interesting, I feel. Um, and it's, I don't feel like it's, it's that normal of a journey, um, but I don't feel like it's abnormal either. Um, I went to school for English. I do not have my degree. <laughs> um, I, I pretty much, a lot of what I've learned has been through trial and error, has been through working in my field. Um, I, I started freelancing when I was a freshman in college um, for pennies. Um, and I would blog on the side. And how Exo Nicole came into the picture um, was by chance, really, and I think that's a testament to God and just the universe and everything just playing a role in, in your destiny, I feel like. I, I just completely believe in that kind of stuff. But um, so oh, I threw this blogger brunch, you know, and um, this young lady came out as one of the bloggers who uh, joined us, and her name was Kaya McBride, and she's a writer. She's a fabulous writer. Oh, my goodness. Um, and me and her connected, and I wanted to uh, interview her for um, a series I had for my blog at the time, The Indie Byline. And her and I had coffee. We were talking, and it was great. And um, I guess from there, she just started reading my blog. And another writer, Gigi Renee, had this um, blog tour that she was doing. She does them, like, every year. And she wanted – us to pick a letter and a word that corresponded with that letter and then to write a piece based off of that word. And I chose R for ravenous um, because I wanted to talk about sexuality. And um, uh, Kaya read the piece, and at the time behind the scenes, Nicole was going through a transition with Nicole Bitchy and creating X and Nicole. And they wanted a sex writer because she felt the same way that a lot of us feel like where um, black women don't necessarily have that platform to have a voice when they're talking about their sexuality and owning their sexuality, whatever that means. Um, And she read my piece, and she loved it. And so she sent me this long email about wanting me to come on board as a sex writer. That was how I got my start. And it was basically just grinding with her alongside her for these past two and a half years um, until this little packer situation happened and I didn't even expect that to happen, <laughs> but I really mm-hmm. believed in the Exo Nicole brand and the Exo Nicole message and the mission, and I loved working with Nicole, and I loved doing what I, got, what I wanted to do and what I loved to do and getting paid for it. Um, even though it wasn't a lot, it was still getting paid for it, which is not, um, it's not, it's not always something that happens when you're a writer. A lot of the time when you're a writer, you're, you're doing a lot of free work. Let's be real. Free. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and somehow 
when I was working behind the scenes with her, like while we were going through this rough transition, before Will stepped in, um, I was doing managing editing tasks and had no idea that's what I was doing. Like I was just editing people's work, um, communicating with writers, um, setting up posts. Like I was just doing different things that was on a managing editor's plate, and I just didn't realize that. Like I was just trying to put all hands on deck and all that stuff, you know. So when a, mm-hmm. a position opened up, Nicole just automatically thought of me. Like, you've been here, you know what the voice is, you work with the writers, you know. Um, so that's how I got it. Like, I, I just feel like it was a in the right place, right time kind of thing. And um, Absolutely. <laughs> I'm very thankful for it, for sure. And for I think sure. that it's been a pet to um, – I definitely don't want people to miss the message of what you were saying in the story. At the end of the day, you still did the work. You know, you didn't mm-hmm. go um, and you used what you were doing, as in with your own brand and your mm-hmm. own blog, in order to connect with someone else. And so you did the proper networking, and then you continued to do the work. Um, you didn't just kind of march in and say, well, now that I'm writing with these people, give me a title, you know. Exactly. You were open and you believed in the work that you were doing and you did mm-hmm. the work. And even if you weren't being fulfilled financially, you still held grasp to the larger picture of what exactly. was to come. And so I think exactly. that we're in a time that a lot of us forget that part. And We do. And people are so entitled, especially I'm Mm -hmm. learning that now, especially with freelancers. And it's crazy because they'll talk, come at me crazy. And I'm like, okay, but I I know, I know what's up. You know, I know Mm -hmm. where you're at. I know what you're trying to do. Like I've been a freelancer as well. Like I'm a writer first, even though I'm an editor right now. Um, But it's just this huge sense of entitlement sometimes. And I feel like, you guys don't even know. Like, you have to grind. Like, and Absolutely. a lot of times it's not luxurious at all. It's just about Ever. having tunnel vision. <laughs> having mm-hmm. tunnel vision, having your eye on that prize. Like, this is what I want to do. This fulfills me. This is what I'm meant to do. So I'm just going to do whatever it takes to keep doing it. Um, yeah, and I think and, even to add to that, we're in a time where, a lot of people, and and I never want to say um, bloggers specifically, but a lot of times I, I try to preach to people that as a writer, because I've been on both sides as a freelance writer mm-hmm. and an editor, and I have my own blog and all of the mm-hmm. things that I'm working on, but I try to explain to people that if you are trying to get your voice heard or you're trying to kind of break into this industry, you have to learn the rules that be. And while it's not mm-hmm. bad to take up the rules that are current, as long as it makes sense, the entitlement still is not something to bring forth um, in the sense of, okay, well, something's not going our way, then let's just kind of bitch and moan about it until something changes. And it's like you right. can bitch and moan about someone else's platform or you can take your work and publish it on your own platform and do as you mm-hmm. wish with it. And if you think that it's great enough, then the universe will automatically give you exactly what you think and you'll get those eyes that are expected to see it, right? Exactly. And it's literally so, those two lanes, you know what I'm saying? Like, if this lane isn't working for you, then go on to the next lane. You know, if no one's, mm-hmm. no one's stopping you from 
creating whatever you feel like needs to be in this world, you know? Um, exactly. But if you are working for somebody else, you definitely need to keep in mind that this is someone else's shit. So, <laughs> so <laughs> you can't really bitch and moan like you want to, you know? Like, But um, it is a sense of entitlement. Uh, it, really, it really is a sense of entitlement. Um, you just feel like the yeah. world owes you immediately because you think you're mm-hmm. amazing. And it's like, no, you have to prove, you have to prove that. And I don't prove it consistently. You. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And prove it consistently. Exactly. So as, yeah, and so as a managing editor, I know that you are based in Atlanta, right? Mm-hmm. And the rest of your team is based in New York? New York and Florida. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how yeah. is it? How do you manage um, working as a team from a remote position? Ooh, um, I think it's fairly easy actually. Um, we just have a lot of conference calls, a lot of group chats. Yeah, that's how we manage. Um, and mm-hmm. really, the name of the game is really um, a lot of independent work anyway. So it doesn't necessarily feel like we have to constantly be on each other because everyone mm-hmm. knows what they need to be doing. And we're such a small team. And I think because the site is so massive and our platforms are so massive that people might think, oh, we have, like, hella people working. But really there's, like, four of us, like, four main people, and that includes Nicole. Um, Mm -hmm. And everybody else works for Will Packer, and they work over us, of course, as they're our investors. But um, it's just the four of us. So I think it's fairly easy to kind of keep tabs if need be. Um, but we have daily calls. Um, Nicole and I have daily calls about content. And um, we have twice a week calls with the social media um, person, Ashley, and the video girl, Good night. So. Mm-hmm. so I want to switch gears and go back into um, kind of the empowerment and liberation of your sexual identity. So. What are some tips or some point of views from your perspective, your opinion, um, as to how people can kind of explore those things? Because I know like a running joke that I always find funny is how um, men will say, well, it's inappropriate for men with this whole sex doll craze, for men to want or want to engage a sex doll, but women can freely have as many sex toys as they please. Um, and so people see it, see it as a double standard. And I find it hilarious because in a way it's true, but in a way it's not true. So what is your perspective on it? On that topic specifically? Mm-hmm, on the sex doll craze. I mean, I think that's kind of weird. I mean, okay. <laughs> let me not use the word weird. It's, it's, it's interesting, I feel. Um, but it's not necessarily surprising because I feel like guys since puberty are groomed to kind of just be always on their dick. So it doesn't mm-hmm. surprise me that they would go out and have a sex doll to, you know, help with the masturbation process. Like, that doesn't surprise me. It's, it's just a step up from fleshlights, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. My partner was talking that about that the other day. I said. 
that's exactly what I said. I was like, it's literally a flesh bite with a face and a body. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I personally, um, I love sex toys, but um, I don't really enjoy, like, certain sex toys. So I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I'm answering that question correctly. But I just feel like it is a double standard in a sense. And I also feel like it's kind of comparing apples to oranges because I feel like men have always been kind of, you know, it's always been understood among men or toward men that they they can be sexual. And I just feel like that's just mm-hmm. another tool that they can use without any issue, you know? Nice. So I don't know. Okay. Don't know. So since you're sex positive, how do you feel about the disdain of words such as hoes or sluts or um, whores, things like that? <laughs> I I feel like it's just a word. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like words are given whatever power you acknowledge from them or of them. Um, I think words are powerful, but only as powerful as you let them, basically. Um, so with whore, I don't really, I don't really have issues with those type of words because I like being called that in bed to be completely mm-hmm. 1,000. Um, and then I also feel like um, it's just a reclamation of the word. It's kind of like how we, you know, <laughs> we put the N-word on its head, you know, and made it this cool colloquialism amongst our people. I feel like you could reclaim hoe, you know. I call my mm-hmm. friend hoe sometimes, you know, and I call myself a hoe sometimes, but it's not oh, in a derogatory time. manner. So mm-hmm. I think it depends on what your intent is when you say certain things. Like if the intention is, is mean, it's spirited and cruel, then I don't like it too much. And I feel like people try to project their insecurities onto other people. Like, okay, um, are you calling her a hoe maliciously because you wish that you have the courage or the confidence to – um, mm-hmm. do what she's doing. Um, because mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of the times it is what it is. Like you wish you, you could do something like that and not give a fuck, you know? Um, and I think that you walk right into my next question because <laughs> I want to know your opinion in regards to that exact mind frame as it applies to Instagram models and things like that. And so we always have this these two talking heads of um, the stripper slash Instagram model slash woman who openly posts photos of her body wearing nearly any clothes, and then you have the woman over here who's a proclaimed professional who does all the things that the Instagram model does, yet wants to be all of the things that the Instagram model openly and proudly can do. So do you feel as if it's also this kind of toxic masculinity setting to two worlds apart and one world wishing that it had the power and kind of freedom that the other has? Or do you think that it's just kind of people putting each other against each other when it's all said and done? I think it's a combination of both. I think we have a lot of unlearning that we have to to do in order to truly be liberated people um, because mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of the things that we believe are just things that society has taught us to feel, you know? So yeah. I... I think what you're saying is a stripper versus someone who's maybe more modest. Is that what you're saying? Basically, yeah. Okay. Um, 
I do think it's a, it's a bit of jealousy, but I also think it's her insecurities as a woman, you know, maybe feeling like this woman um, is, is more, what's the word I'm looking for, desirable maybe to the male eye, and maybe that's why she feels kind of threatened. So she feels like she has to say something to, to tear her down for whatever reason. I don't understand, like, why people feel compelled to do things like that on social media. I, I will never get it. Um, but I feel like what people say and do is more of an indication of how they feel about themselves versus the other person. So I feel mm-hmm. like that ties into that scenario as well. And then I feel like you can't, at the same token, you can't tell um, someone how to feel. Um, you can't tell someone what makes them feel empowered. So I don't know, dressing modestly might make this girl feel empowered, but, you know, being half naked makes me feel empowered. So, you know, why do we need to compete or why do we need to feel threatened by one another, intimidated or jealous or, or say mean things to one another when this is just how I do this, even though that's how you do that? You know what I'm saying? It, it's the same thing. It's just done differently. So Absolutely. why not anything? Um so I don't know. I just feel like people just need to investigate. Like, like, why do you feel this way? Before you say something, why? Why do you feel this way? And I think maybe that will begin the process of really unlearning some of those toxic perceptions and perspectives that we have of each other, um, especially as women. Because I don't know, like, mm, some of these comments sometimes, I just be like, wow, really, <laughs> Wow. Okay. I, I totally agree with you. Oh, no, I totally agree with you there. Um, it's just something that day in and day out baffles me. And I've gotten to the point where I just kind of stop trying to understand it because when you think about how many people think that same way, it's overwhelming to think, mm-hmm. oh, my God, there's so many people that are still needing to learn. And I think that I had got the biggest kind of slap in the head about that when it was kind of the beginning of the Amber Rose's slut walk movement. And Mm -hmm. it was like people were so thrown away from the message because of the messenger that they couldn't even understand Mm -hmm. that she was the perfect messenger for the message anyways because the exact thing that she's trying to stop and bring awareness to is the exact thing that you're doing and placing upon her. So mm-hmm. I think that a lot of us are kind of in this low-level vibration or this low-level frequency that we're kind of in it that we can't rise above it to see exactly what it is that we're in. And it drives right. me crazy sometimes. <laughs> me too. I don't know. <laughs> I don't get it. I'm just like, yeah. I, I don't know. You just have to ignore it because you will drive yourself crazy. Because even with the Amber Rose thing, I'm like, have y'all ever heard Amber talk, though? Like, she she says it herself. She's the most vanilla-ass, like, sex partner ever. Like, she hasn't done Mm -hmm. half the things you think she's done, you know? But even if she did, even if she did, that's none of your business. Like, why do you need to label her for your comfortability? Why do you need to label, label her for you to feel more comfortable in yourself, you know? I just don't, I don't get that. Mm-hmm. So I was glad and it, she took over slut because, yes, take it over, sis. Yeah. Take it. And I think that, too, it kind of 
contribute to that um, modest woman versus stripper um, battle that many women have because it kind of still applies to Cardi B as well. So many people are baffled by her success of being a quote-unquote non-proper speaking woman who is still successful, who doesn't have to change the way that she speaks or change the way that she looks in order to be sensationalized and loved by the world, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's really stirring up the spirits and the souls of the people who are, like, <laughs> gung-ho on all this stuff that they were taught growing up that they had to be, and then they're realizing that in actuality you don't have to be none of that shit to be great, just be you or be exactly. whoever it is that's inside of you, you know? Exactly. But, I feel like I just jumped off the deep end and people hate when I go there, so I'm going to back <laughs> And I'm going to wrap this up with three of my favorite fast facts. Um, and these are just some fun questions to kind of lighten the mood up as we finish off. So if you could take a vacation and money didn't matter, location, distance, none of that stuff mattered, where would you go? Hmm. I say Tokyo. Ooh, why so? Um, I've just watched a lot of Tokyo vlogs, like I'm a YouTube head. Um, and mm-hmm. it just looks cool as shit. I don't know. Like it just seems like a completely different reality from the one that I live every day. <laughs> so <laughs> I just want to experience that. Okay. So if you could work with or meet, sit down, have dinner with anyone, regardless of who they were, who would it be? Mm. I would say Michael B. Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like weren't we together at that screening? We were. (laughs) Okay. And I'm like, and I still have that video. Michael Bay, Jordan, and he's like, what yes. did you just call me Bay. And I don't I'm care like, yes, if it's his mom's house still because people are going in on him this week because <laughs> he still lives with his parents. I'm like, let's be real, his parents live with him, but okay, you know, right? I don't care. Who's I don't really care. paying the bills over there? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh, that just. Me and my friends are still going back and forth about it. She's kind of like, I'm over him after I saw this interview <laughs> that we don't have anything in common, so I don't even like him anymore. And and we have so like, much in common. Based on the interview, we have so much in common. So I was just like, yes. Yeah. If, only he, I just, um, if only he liked um, women of my hue. I don't feel like he dislikes <laughs> us. I just feel like, you know, he obviously has a preference. He's never said anything bad about black women, though, so I don't, I don't have any fault okay. with him. I know that yeah. um, some people were trying to boycott Black Panther right quick, but I was like, but he's never said anything bad about black women. He's, he's never always said been anything super black. about anybody. Yeah. Nope. Like he's never, I've never, you could Google search him. I haven't seen anything problematic. Like I've seen his big pics, obviously, on the beach. And, uh, Me too, and I was underwhelmed. Well, but it's okay. It's cool. I was very, I was very disappointed, but... It's um, underwhelming, but it's okay. It's okay. 
a wise person once told me that it's not about the size, it's about what you can do with your size. <laughs> exactly. I wrote a piece about that, actually, because I had recently dated this guy. Um, oh, my goodness. And his penis was so small. Like, And I'm not just saying that in a whole vindictive way, um, you know, mm-hmm. women after they get burned, you know. Because I said that from the jump. Like, I received a dick pic. And I was like, oh, Lord, this is why he was not trying to send me this picture. It's because <laughs> this is so small. Like, I had never, oh, wow. And he was super tall and super skinny and just like, I was just like, oh, wow. Because you know that whole stereotype. Um, I was going to say it was the exact guys. opposite of the stereotype. It was tall and you're Your penis is going to be large. It was oh. horrible. And then the first time we had sex, we had to do all these weird, like, positions because, he was trying to concentrate really hard and, like, keeping it in. And I was just like, oh, my God. But wow. it ended up better. It ended up getting better, though, with time and with feelings deepening. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. But I kept telling my best friend, I was like, Ugh, I don't know, man. Can I really be with this dick for the rest of my life? Like, I don't know. Like, it's just really yeah. small. Really That's- small. Well, way too seriously lighten the movie shared it. Like, seriously. <laughs> seriously, that was, like, so perfect just because I I think like that all the time. Even in the beginning, I'm like, do I even, like, it's not even about the face, the personality. It's like, can I really be with someone who is not into masturbation? Or can I be with someone yeah. who will not eat me out or, you know, for yeah. the rest of my life? Can I really Those are important questions. Those are important questions, though, because people try to, like, minimize sex and make it seem like it's not important, but it's really important because you're... It's the driving the thing of building the nation. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, if I don't try having sex, what makes you think that my eggs are going to want to release? <laughs> and then I just I never understood that. I just never understood it. Because I was just like, yo, like you're talking about being with this person and just this person. And you're telling me sex doesn't come into play with that? Like nobody else is getting the cookies, right? So shouldn't sex here be great? Like, you know what I'm saying? Or at least we can yeah. work to make it great. I just Yeah. I Wow, we're going to have to do a whole separate sex episode podcast, clearly, because <laughs> there's so much that we can discuss. <laughs> there is, so, definitely. It's my favorite topic. My last question for us tonight. If you could have whatever career you wanted and be the best at it in six months, so... If you started something new tomorrow and it took you from now to six months to master it and be the best at it, what would it be? Ooh. I think I would be a chef. Oh, wow. That's my answer, too. That's so funny. I've been, like, practicing being a chef for, I don't know, almost probably, like, the last year, and I just actually learned how to make bread yesterday, so I'm pretty much expert. Oh, that's awesome. I'm <laughs> so pretty much that's expert awesome. level now. I'm not I'm like, quite yeah, there, 
I'm not quite there. I'm I'm still like, you know, in the recipes section, you know, um just trying to make things work with what I have so far. Like I think I have great natural skills and abilities in the kitchen, but it's not like it's not like top chef or anything. I obviously you know, make <laughs> food and it's art, you know, and I just if I could Absolutely. do that I would be so I'd just be so happy. I don't know, because food is amazing. Absolutely. So it is. and it definitely drives everything. I will tell you that the secret to my cooking is like hours and hours of watching baking championships, top chefs. Um, <laughs> I watch kids baking because I'm like, if the kids can do this, I can do it. And that's really where they I be really baking. talented. I'm mm-hmm. like, my y'all six making creme brulee. Like, get out of here, bruh. But the nice thing is, so on Top Chef, when they mess up, obviously they get kind of like a stern um, lesson, whereas on the kids' show, they're like, oh, you know, next time you should try this. And I'm like, cool. So when I do this, I'm going to do that exactly, and I want to <laughs> make that mistake. And then it just all works out. And then I also, obviously, add marijuana. And everything <laughs> comes out perfect. So... <laughs> Do you add it to the to the mixture, or do you smoke it while you're making it? I feel like it'll actually, come out good either way. Actually, both. Um, <laughs> I'm like, all my friends have just learned that I am the queen of edibles. It took me oh. like maybe yeah, it took me like six months to learn, but now I can basically infuse anything with marijuana. <laughs> yes, I might so. have to holla. <laughs> okay. So um, I really have enjoyed this conversation. You are such an angel. I loved it. I thank you for asking me to be a part of it. Oh, no problem. I want you to tell all our listeners where they can find you online and where they can support you in the future. Okay. Um, You guys can follow me on social media at Sheridan Chanel, or you can catch up my, um, with me on my blog, SheridanChanel.com backslash blog, or you can do some reading and some archives on my sexual escapades on xonicole.com. And I'll leave all that information in the show notes so you guys can easily click through to get there and support our sister Sheridan. Thank you so much for coming on Ask Girls Podcast. I really enjoyed myself. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Turn up. Bye. Bye. <laughs>